You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. Russian ISPs blocked Google News as tension with the Wagner Group mounted. Ukrainian hacktivist auxiliaries break into Russian radio broadcasts. New EU sanctions are directed against Russian IT firms. Transparent tribe resurfaces against Indian military and academic targets. Unauthorized access continues to be the leading cause of data breaches. A Trojanized Super Mario Brothers game spreads malware. Rick Howard speaks with director of Amazon Security Jenny Brinkley. Paul Rabasti of Lockheed Martin describes the CodeQuest competition. And law enforcement agencies seize the web domain of breach forums. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Intel briefing for Monday, June 26th, 2023. Internet observatory NetBlocks found that five Russian ISPs blocked Google News on Friday as tensions between the Wagner Group and the Ministry of Defense rose during the run-up to the Wagnerites' abortive march on Moscow. Google News has been blocked before, the New York Times observes, most prominently in March of 2022 when Roskomanzor announced an interdict of the service after Google blocked some online content that spread disinformation in support of Russia's war against Ukraine. The Wagner Group's march on Moscow may have been abandoned yesterday, but internal tensions remain high. Expect information operations to remain prominent in coming days, and see the coverage on thecyberwire.com for daily updates on the hybrid war in Ukraine. Radio Free Europe Radio Liberty reports that Ukrainian operators have increasingly hacked into Russian radio broadcasts to insert pro-Ukrainian messages. When the current wave began in early June, the message was that Russia had declared full mobilization and martial law in response to a large-scale invasion of Russia. Outrageous as they were, 
The messages gained enough traction to draw an official denial from Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov. Computing reports that the 11th round of European Union sanctions enacted against Russia will hit that country's IT sector particularly hard. The European Council singled out companies holding a license from the FSB authorizing them to work at the Russian security level of state secret, as well as companies holding a weapons and military equipment license from Russia's Ministry of Industrial and Trade. It's not just their work on conventional military systems that puts them on the EU's list. The Council has also assessed that information warfare constitutes a key means by which Russia implements its war of aggression against Ukraine and commits gross violations of international law and the principles of the Charter of the United Nations. Side copy, a subdivision of the Pakistan-aligned threat actor Transparent Tribe, is targeting the Indian Army and India's education sector. Researchers at Sekrite said in their report on the activity, there are three infection chains with themes utilized. DRDO's Invitation Performa, which is part of its defense procurement procedure, a honey trap lure, and also the Indian military with selection of officers for foreign assignments theme. The ongoing campaign came to light after a senior DRDO scientist was arrested for leaking sensitive information to Pakistani agents who honey-trapped him. Forge Rock's 2023 Identity Breach Report was released on June 22nd, and it shows that at least 1.5 billion user records were exposed in 2022. 53% of all breaches that occurred in 2022 were from third-party organizations and cost, on average, $9.4 million per breach. Unauthorized access, responsible for 49% of the data breaches, was determined to be the leading cause of breaches for the fifth consecutive year. Ransomware, however, at 34%, is on the rise. ForgeRock blames companies' misconfiguration of cloud services, firewalls, and human error as the main factors contributing to the breaches. The healthcare industry seems to have been the most heavily affected in 2022, showing a 12% increase from 2021's attacks, with education and financial services in second and third place, respectively. Fordrock says this mirrors the headlines regarding data breaches. One sector the report calls out is insurance. They say, despite being a highly regulated part of the financial services sector, the insurance industry is increasingly being targeted by cybercriminals. They exploit the vast amounts of PII stored in outdated systems, the lack of user training, and the slow adoption of strong authentication. In 2022, while attacks on the financial services sector decreased by 28.6% compared to the previous year, nearly half of all breaches at 47% affected the insurance industry. ForgeRock also found that generative AI was a leading factor in allowing threat actors to create higher-quality phishing schemes and other forms of social engineering like malicious voice and video impressions. To counter this rise in data breaches, ForgeRock recommends that along with implementing passwordless authentication and implementing a zero-trust framework, companies should leverage AI and intelligent decisioning for all identities across the identity lifecycle. Ultimately, as the use of generative AI in malicious attacks grows, the ability of a customer or employee to detect such attacks shrinks. Using AI as a defensive measure for pattern recognition and incident response 
may offer some promise in protecting accounts. A trojanized version of the Super Mario game installer is being used to deliver the XMR crypto miner, the Supreme Bot mining client, and the Umbral Stealer, according to researchers at Cybel. The researchers explain threat actors use game installers to spread various malware because games have a wide user base, and users generally trust game installers as legitimate software. The social engineering tactics that threat actors use exploit users' trust and entice them to download and run malicious game installers. The large file size and game's complexity provides threat actors opportunities to hide malware within them. The researchers add, This incident highlights another reason threat actors utilize game installers as a delivery mechanism. The powerful hardware commonly associated with gaming provides valuable computing power for mining cryptocurrencies. So, you might say it's just cryptojacking, but that can mean game over for your device's resources, like being snuffled up by a bunch of Koopa Troopas. And finally, here's one more story with a gamer reference. Three months after apprehending alleged Breach Forum's impresario Pom Pom Porum, whose real name is Connor Fitzpatrick, on a range of cybercrime charges, U.S. authorities have seized the illicit services web domain. As is customary in such takedowns, the domain now displays a banner saying that the site is under new management, specifically the FBI, the Office of Inspector General at the Department of Health and Human Services, and the Department of Justice, acting under a warrant issued by the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Virginia. The action against breach forums was both interagency and international. The Bureau shares credit for the operation with the U.S. Secret Service, Homeland Security Investigations, the New York Police Department, the U.S. Postal Inspection Service, the Dutch National Police, the Australian Federal Police, the U.K. National Crime Agency, and Police Scotland. Bleeping Computer points out that the Bureau did a bit of visual crowing, the image of Pom Pom Porum, a golden retriever from the Hello Kitty universe that graced the site, now sports a pair of handcuffs. Coming up after the break, Rick Howard speaks with director of Amazon security, Jenny Brinkley. Paul Rabasti of Lockheed Martin describes the Code Quest competition. Stay with us. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. 
Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Paul Rabasti is Program Director for Cyber and Intelligence within Lockheed Martin's Rotary and Mission Systems. He's also executive sponsor within Lockheed Martin of an event called CodeQuest, which gathers high school students for competitive coding challenges. 2023 was our 11th annual CodeQuest. It's actually a worldwide event. We have more than uh, 19 uh, sites that participate worldwide. I am the exec sponsor for the Hanover, Maryland site. Across the world, though, we have over 1,500 students that participate. And basically, it's a competition, right? So it's a it's a high school level competition where teams of two to three, and, and we try to we try to really push for and get a, a fair amount of schools across the areas that are participating. You know, we max it out as as two teams per school just so just so we can ensure that we're getting good representation across and basically it's a it's a three-hour competition they work through somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 uh, you know depending on how quickly they can get through some of these challenging problems that are put together through and by sort of Lockheed engineers that are working day-to-day problems and it it allows the students and a sponsor uh, usually a teacher sponsor from uh, either a you know, a teacher of an individual class or sometimes the moderator of a club. The students go off and participate in a couple hour session. And and then in addition, we actually give those moderators slash teachers some additional tool sets and opportunities to work with Lockheed to uh, further enrich what they're teaching their their students. So it, it's great. It's certainly a competition. Uh, you know, we certainly have winners, hand out prizes, uh, trophies for all. But in reality, uh, in my mind, the the real benefit is not the winning; it's the participation by the broad number of teams. It's getting people uh, and students excited about the overall uh, initiative and the overall process, and perhaps piquing some interest. Right? For maybe folks who weren't sure about it, we certainly had this past year in 2023. We had a number of within the Hanover site had a number of new teams that had never participated before. And that's exciting, right? Because you're, you're exposing it to folks who, who may not have, have had that level of understanding of, Hey, what would it mean to be in this type of job, you know, 10 years from now? And my understanding is that uh, this is a bit of a, a family affair for you, that your, your daughter is participating as well. Yeah. So that was really, uh, so sort of the way things worked out, um, pretty proud of this. So my daughter 
she's a junior now in uh, Falston High School, which is uh, in, in Harford County in Maryland. Uh, she took AP Computer Science as a freshman. Actually, my son took AP Computer Science this year as a freshman, my son Finn. To me, those, as, as I told them, good class to take, even if it's not something you, you know, you may go into, it's going to be a foundational course that you really want to understand. And so Addie took that freshman year and then uh, she has a lot of interest, but this past year, uh, her junior year, she said, you know what, there's really no outlet for our school here uh, in terms of just classwork, but really a, a club environment to work on this. So she's found it, uh, Girls Who Code uh, within the high school. And this is the first year they, uh, they've done it. The, the teacher who uh, is the computer science lead for the high school is a, a personal friend of mine, uh, Jen Kinatella, and Jen is the sponsor for it. Natty and Jen worked together and got the charter taken care of. And they're, you know, 12 to 15 strong now. Uh, and despite the name, they have, uh, you know, both boys and girls who participate in it, a majority girls, but both boys and girls participating in the club. And they then this past year, as I mentioned, there were some new teams. Two of those new teams uh, that participated in Code Quest this year came from uh, Folsom High School. So it was the first, uh, certainly the first participants we've had in the 11 years. And uh, it was also the first participants out of a Harford County High School. So that expansion and growth uh, that, you know, I talked about and is important to me sort of uh, came full circle. And, uh, you know, my daughter got involved and was something I certainly was uh, pretty proud of uh, as, as that team and those teams participated. Yeah, that's terrific. So what does Lockheed Martin get out of their participation here? Is there, is there a, a pipeline for potential employees? Yeah, so we, in general, I think we, this is a really, really critical and important focus for Lockheed. There's, of course, a pipeline, and, and we do many things above uh, just cyber. I'm um, just CodeQuest. Uh, there's another competition called CyberQuest. We do a number of other things that are really focused on that outreach into the community to build those pipelines. So, out of the uh, CodeQuest and CyberQuest, that's usually where we pull our, our internships. So, we have both high school internships um, and then we have college internships as well. Uh, and those high school internships come uh, from those events, right? We identify folks who have an interest uh, in those events. And we've had in the past few years, again, just within the Hanover site, one site, you know, 15 to 20 interns every year. And a number of those interns, you know, we've been doing it for a few years. As I said, I've been, uh, I think I mentioned I've been doing it for five years uh, as the exec sponsor. And a number of those interns have now turned into full-time employees. So we had a great story where one of those, uh, Beth turned, uh, Beth was an internship. Beth Mosing was an intern, uh, had an internship with us. She then became a full-time employee. And this past year, I mean, she does such a good job. Uh, she went out and presented at a uh, an industry event for us, even though she's relatively early career and really did a great job um, and got lots of kudos from the event. So the fact that we can nurture uh, and, and really sort of help have some focus for folks that have an interest in this and then lead them into, obviously it's a benefit for us. If we've, we've seen the good work they've done throughout internships for four or five years and all of a sudden now they're, you know, ready to come on and, and join the workforce. That's great for us. Again, we have, there's, as I mentioned, there's lots of openings and we want to be able to fill those with folks that we've mentored and, and know, I mean, that's, that's an added bonus for us, sir. 
That's Paul Rabasti from Lockheed Martin. In our continuing series of interviews Rick Howard gathered at the recent AWS Reinforce Conference, Rick speaks with Director of Amazon Security, Jenny Brinkley. The CyberWire is an Amazon Web Services media partner, and in June 2023, Jen Iben, the CyberWire senior producer, and I traveled to the magical world of Disneyland in Anaheim, California, to attend their AWS Reinforce Conference and talk with senior AWS leaders about the latest developments in securing the Amazon Cloud. I got to sit down with Ginny Brinkley, a director at Amazon Security. Before coming to work for Amazon, she was the co-founder at a company called Harvest.ai that used machine learning techniques for behavioral analytic services that Amazon eventually acquired about seven years ago. I started out by asking Ginny how she decided to create a startup around AI. Yeah, where all my friends looked at me and said, how did you get into a security job? So at the startup, I did everything but code. So coming up with how we would go to market, how we should be building the service, working with customers on what their needs were for data loss prevention at scale, and how to think about user behavioral analytics when this was the hot topic on how it could be applied within their business related to cloud-based companies. So talk to me about that, because I always thought that was going to be the big win for machine learning, that we would be able to take that kind of information throw it into some machine learning algorithm and find bad guys. But it hasn't really worked out that well, right? It's cost. It's compute cost. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you're starting to see this really interesting sweet spot where things are starting to evolve because those compute costs are starting to come down. Mm -hmm. Because when you think about the ingestion of a massive corpus of data and all that data classification that needs to happen, that's where the challenge was. And so that's where I'm really excited to see where the industry is headed because the compute costs are coming down, the trading models are getting more sophisticated, and you're getting better user interfaces on how to train and use a model to have the right outcomes depending on what you're trying to solve for your your whatever thing you're trying to work on. So your big passionate topic is uh, how do we solve, at least one of your big passionate topics is how do you solve the training gap that we've been talking about for a decade, right? Uh, what's the current take? What's the current situation? Are we getting better? Are we getting worse? Mm. What's going on there? So much opportunity, right? Opportunity. <laughs> I love your positivism. Have to. I mean, I am all about, you know, I work in an industry where there's two sides to it. You know, there's some people that like to work in the fear, uncertainty, and doubt space. I like to be in the space where anything's possible. And that's my, how my brain operates. I'm a deep optimist at the end of the day. I couldn't Every, tell. Okay. Really? Yeah, Does no, it not come across <laughs> as I speak? So what I love about what I get to do is, is experiment and try different ways to bring people into security careers because it completely changed my life. Like in terms of, I've always cared about people. I've always cared about protecting people and helping people, but I never really knew how to apply some of those skills. So if you can find people that are mission-centric, that care, have empathy, want to help, and get them into these types of security careers that completely evolve the way that that your life can change. I mean, these are multi-generational wealth type roles for some people, bring people up above the poverty line. That's where I spend a lot of my time is the diversification of trying to find people that can get into these types of jobs and get them to on these paths for these jobs of the future. Well, that's the problem we've had for over a decade. Not only are we not, can't find the people that do it, and we can talk about why that is, yeah. right? But then when we do find the people, 
it's not diverse at all, right? We don't find women and we don't find minorities. And, and I'm hoping you're going to tell me there's a, we have a better, we're on a better path. What are you going to tell me, Miss, uh, Mrs. Optimism? I love that. I'll take Mrs. Optimism. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's about small acts. I was okay. asked this morning about, you know, let's talk about diversity and security and what's happening. And I think that a lot of people go out and make these big grand statements we're going to invest X amount of dollars to create X amount of programs. It's going to then, you know, turn X amount of security engineers. But we're not really seeing that pipeline develop the way that it probably could be developing. And so it's taking small little moments and taking small steps like sponsorship, uh, developing uh, opportunities for people to be, and why am I blanking on the word when someone is learning from another person? Mentorship. Apprenticeship. Well, apprenticeship, okay. which is a big thing that we do internally at Amazon is we actually build apprenticeship programs for individuals that want to get in security careers. But a lot of it is just awareness. People don't know that these jobs are available or they think that it's too hard. In fact, I had somebody today, uh, an AV person that was helping me mic up for a session who... After our session, we were talking about education and awareness and job opportunities. I want to learn about pen testing. How do I do it? So I think it's giving people just some ideas about what's possible, the different types of roles that are available, the ways to get into the industry, removing those barriers, and letting people know what the opportunities really can look like. And that's where I get to spend a lot of my time. My problem with all that is we've known about those things, and we've been doing those things, and it doesn't seem to be working. It doesn't scale. Okay, we have individual successes, like you said, smart, start small, but we don't need 10 more people. We need thousands of people. So what's, the, what, how do we address that kind of a thing? I mean, I think it's how it starts at the top of a company. I think you're right about that. And I think that's about the prioritization of where security fits within someone's ecosystem, how they invest, where they spend the time, how to ensure that you're doing the right things. And I'm very lucky because of who I get to work for. I mean, Steve Schmidt, who's my boss, has been my boss now for the past four years, chief security officer of Amazon now. So when he talks about the investment of security and where it should exist and how it should be fundamental to everything we do, he sets the tone. So setting the tone, create that security first mindset. We need every single company to set that tone. Security matters. We need to invest. We need to find the right people. We need to create these job opportunities and then putting programs in place that actually make a difference. I think that's the issue. People don't know where to start or where to go. So if you have somebody at the top saying, security is our top priority, this is why, this is how, this is what we do, that's the narrative that needs to change. I think one of the issues, though, is that we keep trying to solve the problem that we've known about for over a decade the same way, mm-hmm. right? But we insist that we need somebody with 17 years of experience and 25 certs, and I've said many times today, and we want to pay them a buck fifty an hour. Right? No wonder we have a shortage. I'm wondering if we could raise that up, because in my experience, when we hire cybersecurity people, right? We never think about the team. We really think about the individual. Like we want you to go get another certification and, and it's not really improving the team that much. And if you make that individual a superstar or a unicorn or whatever you want to call them, there's a really good chance that their Amazon's going to pick them off and bring them into your organization because they're so good now. I'm wondering if we can think differently about this. Train as the team for skills that you miss, Mm. Kind of a money ball operation for your cybersecurity team. And if you could do that, then you can do what Billy Bean did in the Oakland A's, which is hire cheaper players who have no experience, 
but you can train them on the two or three skills that you have and turn them into a team player as opposed to looking for the superstars. I'm wondering what you think about that. I kind of dig that idea. I will say that we have been changing the ways that Mm -hmm. we hire. Like we don't go at it from a perspective of you need this degree, these certs. It's actually about curiosity about how things work. That's true, yeah. And how we've been writing our job descriptions and how we go through and we interview people and how we're developing different ways that we attract talent and how we retain talent to stay. But my goal isn't just to hire for Amazon. My goal is to really figure out how can we help every single individual that wants to build on the cloud and have a world-class security team and how to build it right and what kind of programs they can put in place. And so some of the things that we're working through now are how we start externalizing more of those internal programs. That's the CyberWire's Rick Howard speaking with Director of Amazon Security, Jenny Brinkley. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. Don't forget to check out the Grumpy Old Geeks podcast where I contribute to a regular segment with Jason and Brian on their show for a lively discussion every week. You can find Grumpy Old Geeks where all the fine podcasts are listed. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show was written by the CyberWire's editorial team. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Rick here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. 
It only takes a few minutes, and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.